0: We're so glad you've joined us today for this teaching from City of Life Church. For information on City of Life and to find more teachings like this, visit us at www.col.tv. Now, let's join the service. Amen. His presence is so rich. It is always very rich, but we have to press in. We have to connect to that. We have to hook up with that to receive it. You can come in and have a, a shell over you and leave and never be affected but when you open your heart and allow that cold heart to melt in the presence of God you will be rewarded of great things amen God has great things for you today amen amen thank you father I feel the presence of the Lord so strong thank you Lord thank you today well today my husband was supposed to be standing here preaching this message about 3.30 yesterday afternoon, he came in kind of walking like that after he'd been here studying. He said, Janice, will you pray for me? And I'm like, honey, I've been praying for you all day. I'm excited. He goes, my throat hurts. He said, my throat hurts. How many guys get babies when you get sick? How many guys turn into little baby wimps when you get sick? Yeah, That's him, yeah, they do. And, and the moms, we just keep on, no, I can wash these clothes. No, I can scrub this floor. That's how, that's how we are. Some of us has, have more strength than others. He is my tower of strength in other areas, believe me. But in that area, I try to make it through. But he like, pray for me, pray for me. So under his arm was what our family calls the Holy Grail. And those are those black and white composition notebooks that you've seen him preach out of for all these years. And he had it under his arm, so I prayed for him. He sat in the recliner and he, he put the notebook over his chest. And I said, honey, is there a chance that you're not gonna be preaching tomorrow? I was just wondering. And he said, oh, no. I gotta tell you a part I didn't tell in the first service too, this is funny. Uh, that uh, So he said, no, I, I'm, I'm just praying I'll get better. I said, I'm praying you'll get better, too, as I reached and took the notes and headed to my office at my computer trying to type it all into uh, something I could see on the iPad. But, uh, and plus, that's another thing. You could really, it's hard to preach somebody else's notes. As awesome as he is, great note taker. Love you, honey. I know you're watching right now, right? Uh, Yes, you were really sick. I better better be careful. He's watching. I can't say things I told in the first service. Yeah. Um, So I took those notes. But, he, you know, everybody makes their own highlighter in certain places and draws these things that are, like, real important them, (laughs) You know, you don't know what that means or whatever, but I tried to make it. But I'll tell you, I'm sure it would have been better if he would have preached it because it's awesome. But he he decided that he was going to preach on the subject where hope lives. Our awesome pastors, Pastor Jeffrey and Amy, this year, our, our word for the year is hearing from heaven. And in the past few years, we have always declared that we're a church where hope Lives and you know that sets us apart from a lot of people because you know only hope is in God, so anything else is wishful thinking or, or positive imagination or desires that may never come true, but only God is our source of hope. And we look at Acts 27 when hope was challenged to its fullest. In Acts 27, we read out of the message version today, which I feel like I'm not being faithful to myself, but he had the message version, so I'm going to use it. I'm a King James Version girl. I always have been. You got to remember, I'm 66, and I got saved when I was three, and I got a Bible when I was little. Woo, 66, yes. Woo. Next year, we'll be saying 67, and I might get two hoos, but... I memorized King James Version. There were no other versions when I was little. If you're an older person, you know there there wasn't an option. You had like a Catholic Bible that had a a lock and a key that I never opened one because it always was locked somewhere like, you know, in a case or something. But uh, I learned to read it. I studied out of it when I was a teenager and I was a youth pastor as a teenager. I even got a Matthew Henry and a Strong's so I could understand King James. So uh, that's why I'm a King James Version girl. I have nothing against the other versions. They're great. And if you can understand them better, I encourage you to read those versions. And this story is from that version, Acts chapter 9, starting at verse 9. By this time, we had lost a lot of time. We had passed autumn equinox. Oh, I didn't finish the funny part. Just remembered. So the last words that were said among us last night is I said, honey, I just want you to know I'm praying for you and maybe you'll be better by tomorrow. That's the last words we said. Okay, love you. And he, he went on into the other room I was in my room. So I turned the lights out and just prayed and went to sleep and got up early this morning and closed the door to our room and went to get coffee got my coffee got my notes out looked at my notes I went back and I saw the lights were on under the door as I went toward our room and I went there and there he is dressed in his church clothes walking around like that I said what are you doing he said you said maybe you'll be better by tomorrow I thought you might not wanted to preach (laughs) I said get back in that bed right now. And he did, but he got up and took a shower and put his church clothes on. He thought my comment, I said, talk about miscommunication in marriage. We've, we got some miscommunication issues. And he said, we do. He said, we do. So pray for him. Yeah, he's watching. So by this time we had lost a lot of time. We'd passed the autumn equinox. So it would be stormy weather from now on through the winter, too dangerous for sailing. Everybody say too dangerous. Paul warned, I see only disaster ahead for cargo and ship to say nothing of our lives if we put out to sea now. So a man of God speaking under the authority of God, a word, a prophetic word, but speaking to non-believers. I mean, there were 270 people on board that ship other than the Apostle Paul but it was not the best harbor for stay in the winter phoenix a few miles further on was more suitable the centurion set paul's warning aside everybody say uh-oh here's what happened the centurion convinced the captain to keep going and not to listen to the man of god to disregard the word Have you ever had a word that god gave to you but then somebody else came along and influenced you and maybe first of all cause you to doubt the word of God and secondly cause you to do what they suggested instead anybody ever had that happen to them I've had it happen many times in my life when I've discovered people that kind of dare you are people that would never do it themselves they suggest it to you because at the heart of what they're saying is the idea that they want to see you fail they really want to see you fail. Do you know that people that are not of God want to see you fail? They, they love it when they hear someone else fell, Someone else in ministry did this. Someone else in the church did this. They're looking for those excuses. And this captain put the word of Paul aside. And he convinced the captain of this ship to move ahead. And so that's exactly what happened. And when a gentle southerly breeze came up, They weighed anchor, thinking it would be smooth sailing, but they were no sooner out to sea than a gale-force wind, the infamous nor'easter, struck. They lost all control. Say they lost all control of the ship. It was a cork in the storm. We came under the lee of the small island named Claudia and managed to get a lifeboat ready and reef the sails. Well, I mean, that's kind of good news, isn't it? If you're if you're in a ship and they're having some problems, but you can see all the lifeboats hanging on the side, it's a little bit of a form of security. Wouldn't you say you feel a little secure to know there are lifeboats that are available. They lost all control. It was a cork in the storm, but this rocky shoals prevented us from getting close. We only managed to avoid them by throwing out drift anchors. Next day out on the high seas again and badly damaged now by the storm, we dumped the cargo overboard. They dumped all of their cargo overboard. The third day, the sailors lightened the ship further by throwing off all the tackle and provisions. It had been many days since we had seen either sun nor stars. And you know, the sun and stars are very significant for navigating a ship. The captains depend on the sun and the stars, but they had seen neither sun nor stars for days. Winds and waves were battering us unmercifully, and we lost all hope of rescue. Everybody say, all hope. Now, the Greek word hope means anticipation, confidence. Confidence with joy, one explanation says, the thing hoped for, and he says, "With in verse twenty-one, with our appetite for both food and life gone, our appetite for food and life gone." Paul took his place in the midst and said, "Friends, you really should have listened to me back in Crete. We could have all avoided this trouble and trial. You know, it's kind of fun sometimes to be the." I told you so kind of person. I mean, that's what I'm getting out of this is I told you so. We could have avoided all this, Oh, but nevertheless, that's what he's saying. We could have avoided this, but there's no need to dwell on that now. I was right, but there's no need to dwell on that. You were wrong, but there's no need to dwell on that. From now on, things are looking up. Everybody say looking up. I can assure you there'll not be a single drowning among us, although I can't say as much for the ship. The ship itself is doomed. But last night, he tells them, God's angel stood by my side, an angel of this God I serve, saying to me, don't give up, Paul. Everybody say, don't give up. You're going to stand before Caesar yet, and everyone sailing with you is also going to make it. Say, going to make it. So take heart. I believe God will do exactly what he told me. But we're going to shipwreck on some island or other. So what can we do when hope has run out? When hope is gone? When things are not looking up by what we see? They're not looking up. You cannot even see the daylight, the sun, the stars, nothing. There's nothing in front of you. You see nothing to look forward to. Your hope is drained. Your hope is out. Has anybody ever been there yes we've been there and you know what i can tell that you have hope because you've been there but right now you're right here you made it through you came through the fact that you survived you thought you couldn't survive and i can look out at some of you and remember i was with you i was with you through some of those times when you didn't think you'd be able to hold your head up you didn't think you'd be able to survive that storm you you and you didn't at all have your trust in the ship anymore. <laughs> you know, for me, God is the ship, the anchor, the rock, the fortress. I'm in him, so he's my ship I'm in. I trust in him. He's all that I have. He's all that I put my trust in. I learned that over trial and error. I learned that over trying to solve issues out of my own strength and my own Ability, which you can put in a thimble, I'm sure. Friends, we can do what Paul did. What, what do we do when we come to the end of our hope? Listen, Paul borrowed hope from God. God is the source of hope. So any hope we ever have or ever will have, we must borrow from the source. We must borrow from God because we have none in ourselves. And the world has no hope. There's no hope in the world. You have to know God to have hope because the Bible says he is the source of all hope. So anything out in the world is maybe a good idea, a wishful thinking, positive mentality, whatever you want to call it. But if you have hope, You have God. He is the only hope we ever have. You never really know what part of your life God has under his control. Until a few things happen. First of all, until you come to the end of yourself. You come to the end of yourself. I've come to the end of myself in life. But serving the Lord, when I'm at the end of myself, I have Jesus to hold on to. When I get to the end of myself, I don't feel that I'm dying. I feel I hold on to Jesus. He is at the end of ourself. He wants us to live life at the end of ourself. He doesn't want us to start out with ourself and run out. He wants us to realize without Christ, I can do nothing. I can figure nothing out. I can solve nothing without Christ that's going to come to a good end. So you come to the end of yourself or till you come to the end of your strength, your faith, your courage, your endurance, your health. When you come to the end of those things, I was thinking as I was speaking at the other campus that resources, money, all of those things mean nothing when your life's at stake. They have no value. They have no significance. I've sat at the bed of many dying people over the years and even recall being with my mother when, when she passed away. I was with her for the last few weeks. And, you know, if I would have had a big stack of $1,000 bills and said, here, mother, here, this is your... That, that's nothing. That meant nothing to her. That meant nothing to her. Life is our precious gift that we all have. You might be sitting here today and you didn't have a dime to put in that offering. You didn't have a dime today that you could give to God. But you have yourself. You have what God needs. You have what he wants. He wants you and he wants you to put your hope in him. Now you put your hope in him. And you're going to have a dime in your pocket. You're going to have something for the future. You're going to have something out there because he's a giver. He will give to you. He'll pour into you. But he wants to know that he's the source until all your relationships are gone, until your job, your health is gone. These are things that test the quality of our walk with God. The trials do. And he doesn't send them to us but he uses them if you're in a deep dark trial and you've said god put this on me listen god doesn't send those things on us but god uses those things to perfect us he uses bad circumstances yes and some hands are up because you know that you've walked through some circumstances because we we think we didn't deserve this and no we don't we're god's children but god will use it to perfect us. Here is our story here that we find Paul in this situation that looks hopeless. They had come to the end of themselves. You think it was bad when they got in there, but it got worse, didn't it? And then it turned to desperation as they threw the cargo over. You know, that cargo represented tomorrow's paycheck. That's what they were doing. They were transporting cargo, and when they got to the port, they were going to exchange that for money for their families, for money for their future. That's what, they were, that's what the cargo represented. It's like losing your job, you, losing all of your uh, inventory. They just threw it over the side because why? Life was more important at that moment than that cargo. Amen? That's how we all should feel. Every day when we get up, we say, God, I have this life. You've given me this life. I can I can recapture that cargo, Lord, but this is the one life you've given me here on this planet, and I'm gonna use it for you. So they threw the precious cargo over to say You know what? That's not the most important thing in life. But then things got worse, and they threw all the tackle, and that represents everything needed to navigate everything to keep a ship going, all the the lifeboats. They threw everything out, and finally, they threw their food out. They ate. Paul said, everybody eat, because they were sick, and they didn't want to eat, and they were discouraged, and nobody would eat. He said, I want everybody eat something now get full and everybody ate and they listened to Paul and then they threw the food overboard i mean that's that's your final That's your final test of your faith, isn't it? Because those aren't the things that sustain us. We think they are. We've come to depend upon our paycheck. We've come to depend upon what type of meal we're gonna have at night. We've come to depend on the wrong things. We should depend on God, have our hope in God and our life and our life in God is the most valuable asset that we will ever obtain in this life and hope is, amen. Hope is for the soul as oxygen is to our lungs. We need hope. That's what keeps us going. You talk to prisoners of war and they will tell you, you can strip us of our dignity. You can strip us of our clothes. You can starve us and give us no food. But if you take our hope away, we will die. And they understand that. And that's how we should be like Esther. You know, in in the book of Esther, you read that she went before the king and you never went before the king unless you wrote out a formal invitation. You got it approved. You had to go through all these steps to go before the king, but her people were in In a desperate situation, they were about to be annihilated. And you know what she said as she walked in? She said, if I perish, I perish. See, she had hope, that kind of tenacious hope in God. If I perish, I perish. She didn't know the outcome of that. She only knew that if you went in without an invitation before the king, you were dead. You would be put to death. But she went with a hope that God was going to protect her because she was standing for what was right. Abraham, he exhibited that strength and that hope, didn't he? When he went up the mountain after God gave him his child of promise and God said, your children are going to be as the sands of the sea and the stars of the heaven. Abraham didn't hide a lamb under his robe just in case. No, he went up there With his hope in that word, he had that word. That's why I said to you, you felt like you were going to go down before, but you're sitting here today, so that shows that hope has brought you this far, and that same hope is what you need today for whatever you're facing right now, for that Desperate situation. I mean, tomorrow might be the deadline on something for some of you. This month may be the last month that you're allowed to live where you're living at this time. You, you may have your car repossessed. There's all these things, but you know what? They are exactly that, they're things. Just tell God, my hope today is in you. I put all my hope in you. I don't put my hope in the world. I don't put my hope in what the bank account says. I don't put my hope. Yes, we should all be diligent with our finances, our job, our relationships. They're fragile many times. Relationships are very fragile. We should never take our relationships for granted. We should always cherish everything God has given us, but everything is perishable. But the only eternal everlasting thing is our relationship with God. What can we do when our hope runs out? How did Paul obtain this kind of hope that is so empowering to us thousands of years later? Number one, he had a prayer life that he had built and confidence and hope that had grown through persecution, through prison, through torture. He was persecuted and tortured numerous times and found himself in prison on numerous occasions just for identifying with Jesus Christ, that for no other reason but identifying with Christ. So he had something inside of him, a tenacity to hold on and to believe in something that nothing could shake. No matter what they did to him, he knew that he was going to come through this thing, and because of his faith, that faith and that hope, was contagious to everyone on the ship they they started listening to him didn't they they believed him he told him he said look the angel of the lord came and spoke to me they didn't you don't read where any of them said yeah he's one of those crazy christians that says you know no at that time of desperation they listened to the man of god who's the source of our hope amen you might say that a little bit louder who's the source of our hope our, 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 our family laughs and says, "98% of the time, every the always the appropriate answer is Jesus." <laughs> so if we don't know what to say, we'll go Jesus. It's kind of a family joke, but that's the truth. So God is the source of our hope. Our hope in God is empowered. Listen, Romans 15 and 13. Now the God of hope. Everybody say now. That means right now, right now, the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. And for you modern Christians, you might say the Holy Spirit, right? <laughs> I'm old school and it's still the Holy Ghost, right? Our hope in God is, is powered. That's the generator that makes it work. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit powers that hope. You've got to see it working together like a wheel. You're turning that wheel. That That Holy Spirit is turning that wheel. It gives the power and then your faith starts moving forward. You thought you couldn't go. You thought you couldn't make it. But the Holy Spirit says, yeah, you can go. You can take one more step. And you start moving in a forward direction toward the things of God in your life. Man's hope is just wishful thinking. Man's hope is really what got them into this mess, isn't it? Because Paul had the word and said, we should not be doing this, but the the one guy convinced the captain and everybody else. See, he had influence. You're going to come across people that have a lot of influence with others and you're going to know in your heart what you should do But when you see all of your friends turning to that voice of influence, it's going to be a test in your life, a test that's going to show what you truly believe in. 1 Corinthians 15 and 19 says, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we're as all men most miserable. Don't misunderstand the scripture. It's saying if all you have hope for is just living in this world, then you're miserable. We have a hope that carries over into eternity see our hope in god doesn't stop when our breath stops here our hope in christ carries on over into eternity that's where my mother is that's where your father is that's where your grandma is that's where your family is we have a hope that we're going to be reunited with those and god's hope gives us that ability to say that and to believe it the hope we get from god holds the power to carry us. Has anybody ever felt like you just couldn't take another step? Yes, we have. I think most of us have. I just can't go on. You know, I I remember a time in my life, and some know this and some don't, when I, I thought I couldn't go on and I thought the only out was to commit suicide and I took a gun and put it up to my head. A loaded gun i put it up to my head and that's a that's a long story that i can't get into but now looking back i had my eye and my focus on what i could see i mean i see that so clearly now but at that time in my early 30s i didn't see where my source of hope was i put it in circumstances and i could not see how that blurry circumstance could ever refocus and look clear again. And that's the state that I was in. And I, ha- I had lost my hope. And my hope was not anchored in the right place. You know, it's it's a sad thing never to have known hope, but it's a worse thing to have had hope and lost it. And I felt like that's where I was at that time. But I can remember that I thought, I can't go on now. And I remember just Tightly closing my eyes at times And knowing God was carrying me To the next place You know my eyes were shut tight Because I didn't want to see that dark place I was in I didn't want to see what he was bringing me out of And what he was putting me through And my hope started increasing. It started increasing when I saw I made it through that day. Then I knew I could make it through the next one. And you've all felt that at times. And I'm telling you that whatever you're in right now, the same is true for you. You might say, how will I ever get out of this place? How did I end up in this place? And I've asked myself often, how did I end up in that place? And today you may be asking yourself the same thing. But our hope is anchored in Christ. It is an anchored hope. They were willing to give up everything to have some hope for tomorrow. Amen. David said, in God is my salvation. In God is my glory, the rock of my strength. My refuge is in God, our refuge in our time of trouble. Listen, why is he saying that? Because he might not have felt it at that time. Those are times, I quote the scripture the loudest when I'm doubting the greatest. I mean, at times when I'm doubting the greatest, my mouth just starts saying, my soul will magnify the Lord and my spirit does rejoice in God my Savior. He that is mighty hath done great things and holy is his name. All the while, I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling it. Listen, we don't go by what we feel. We don't go by what we see. This hope it stretches far past what you feel and what you see we need to understand we don't have to just be in the right environment. We don't have to be down here with music playing and a encouraging word and the pastor preaching a great message. You don't have to be like that. You can be in that storm. You can be in the middle of that situation in your home. You can feel isolated if you're the only one that knows Christ. If you're in a situation that you did not expect to be in at this time in your life, there is a hope and it is deep. That hope is a rock. It is a foundation that can't be shaken. It's an anchor that is going to hold you through to the next place in your life. Naaman 1 and 7, he says, the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. This might be your day of trouble. And he knows them that trust in him, our stronghold in which we can hide. See, you can hide in him. You can hide. The Bible says, under the shadow of his ring- wings, it says, he will cover me with his feathers. And under his wings will I trust. Psalm 61, two: from the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock higher than I. God's hope is anchored in who he is and who we are in him. you got to understand who you are in him. You are in a special category, a minority from the population of the world. Those who have their hope in Christ are in a minority from the rest of the world. The majority of the world does not live by faith. They have not anchored in Christ. They have no hope. Paul told them, I not only serve God, but I believe God. It's one thing to serve him. I believe most of you serve him, but it's another thing to believe his word in your situation, to hang on to that word. He told them, I not only serve him, but I am his property. That's what Paul said. He said, I not only serve him, but I believe him because I belong to him. I belong to God, and he will never fail me. He never has. And he says, I'm here for, for you. That's what Paul said. I'm here for you guys. All 274 of you are going to come out of this thing. And I'm telling you in advance, it's God that's going to bring us through it. You're going to have an opportunity. He was evangelizing at that moment because he knew there might be 274 possible new Christians resulting from that episode and from that message that he preached. He said, I'm an ambassador for the king. So our hope is anchored in who he is and in who we are. God's hope is anchored in what we say. Wherefore, he said, sirs, be of good cheer. He could have said a lot of things. He could have started by saying, hey, this really looks bad. I don't know what's going to happen for sure, but I feel like an angel came. No, he was confident. He said, be of good cheer, for I believe God. It shall be even as it was told me. I mean, he didn't veer at all from exactly what God said. Not I believe in God, but I believe God. What you are saying today regarding your topsy-turvy circumstance, what you say is very important. Make sure you guard what you say. Take heed what you say. Take heed to what you hear. Take heed to what you see. It's very important. We judge the quality of a thing by the warranty that it carries. You ever been so disappointed when something just quit working and you got the warranty out, but at the bottom in that little fine line, it said for 14 days. Oh, that's happened to me. I thought, I don't need this because I'm sure everything carries a year warranty. Well, it doesn't. There's, there's things that are not uh, covered for a year. And that's been a disappointment, but you know, Paul understood he had a guarantor That was guaranteeing that what he was telling Paul was going to come to pass. You have a guarantor in Christ. His warranty is everlasting. It never ends. It will be just as he said. Thanks for listening. Your generosity makes this broadcast possible. So, if you'd like to be a part of what God is doing here, click Give at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. Join us again for more great teachings like this one.